Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are delighted to be joined by Scott Wilkinson of Sea Power, who is here to have a chat with us about the 15th anniversary of the band's breakthrough album, Do You Like Rock Music? Um, Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you and whereabouts are you joining us from? Um, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm at home in my little music room. Nice. Uh, just a little um, attic room at the top of the house. Yeah. Is that where you do a lot of your writing? Is it just like a music room for being at home? Or is that somewhere that you actually kind of develop a lot of the ideas that end up working their way into to see power songs? Yeah, it's <clears throat> um, all of them things, really. Uh, yeah do a lot of recording which actually ends up we do, did all the singing for the last album here yeah um write the songs and record bits yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, nice well I, I wanted to ask you before we get into do you like rock music i just wanted to ask you how 2023 has been uh for for you and the band this year has it been because it's been almost two years now unbelievably since uh since the release of the last album everything was forever. Um, has it been a relatively quiet year on the, on the sea power front? Have you still, have you been busy working on new stuff and, and other projects or have you been kind of taking a little bit of a rest after touring the album last year? What, what's it been like in 2023? Uh, it's been quiet. Yeah. Um, quite grateful for that, to be honest. Um, yeah. when you talk about this, it always sounds like some kind of sporting, athletic uh, scenario like having a rest between <laughs> albums and, and getting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we used to be so busy in the old days uh, we toured a lot and we brought out records and wrote songs as much as we ever could as fast as we could really um, and yeah we slowed down a few years ago the, the only thing we really did last year was our festival yeah. uh, Crankin's Festival well, we played Do You Like Rock Music for the first time ever. Mm. And uh, other than that, I've just started writing songs recently because, uh, I don't know, didn't seem so appealing for a while. Like, the music was all good, but there didn't seem much point in it or something. Yeah. Um, starting to get back into it again, really. Uh, spent a lot of time painting and uh, just like walking around and playing with my dog. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sounds quite pleasant. Um, it's all right. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, do, do you kind of anticipate getting anything together kind of in the new year, like as regards as a new album would be concerned, or um, is it just kind of playing it by ear at the moment as to, to when stuff happens next? Yeah, there's no plans, um, no plans at all, really. Uh, my main thing is I just want to write music again without thinking about what it's for. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know. It's quite good. We've had a bit. I mean, we haven't been completely lazy. I mean, we did our album what, two years ago, like you said. But before that, it wasn't. We don't. We brought out a soundtrack for a computer game, Disco Elysium, yeah. which was, you know, that was 30 tracks. And. I mean, the game turned out to be a massive sort of success. Mm. And the soundtrack did pretty well with it. Um, you know, it was quite, it wasn't really, it wasn't a lightweight thing, really. It was a fairly, uh, for a computer game, it's quite a 
sincere and yeah. well thought out project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we're not being completely lazy, but um, yeah, just having a bit. I, I quite like the quiet, to be honest. Yeah. How, how does yeah. it feel writing music for, for something like a video game? Presumably it's a very, well, maybe it isn't, but I, I wonder if it's a very different process to going in to make a, a typical sea power album if such a thing exists um yeah how do you kind of get your head into the to, to the kind of right mode for for creating music for for a video game as opposed to something that's kind of just purely dictated by yourselves um i guess this was probably quite an unusual uh way of getting into a computer game because of the people who were making it mm. most of all the lead creator robert kervitz who's a lovely estonian guy and he he knew a lot about sea power um like a real lot and he sort of hunted us down and pestered us until we gave him the time of day and it turned out luckily that he was a bit of a genius in a way um and he we drew on quite a few Sea Power songs, quite rare ones and ideas before we got into making original songs. Um, so it's kind of a bit of a in, an in-between stepping stone <laughs> sort of thing that happened accidentally, really. And we never thought much would come of it, to be honest, to begin with. And I don't even think he did. Um, and then it became this massive, strange phenomenon in the gaming world which if you're not in the gaming world, you probably didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, here you go, write some driving songs. Which <laughs> 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 could be fun maybe, but you know, yeah, it was enjoyable though. He was quite good. He got quite involved, but because he understood us, we trusted him. So it was quite collaborative and, you know, it's instrumental, which is just brings a whole different aspect to it. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah it's good. I mean, it's quite different how we do it as an album. Mm. Although it probably influences. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I'm going off on one. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I'm I'm quite fascinated by that. You know that idea of, you know, as someone who isn't like a big gamer, I'm quite. I've you know, there's been a couple of like artists and bands that you know that I'm either really into or aware of that have been kind of you know writing and creating music for for that kind of genre if you like or for that world and it's quite interesting because it's sort of not something that i don't know perhaps you know 10 years ago would have seemed like an obvious move to do maybe it still isn't an obvious move yeah, do you know what i mean it's quite an interesting thing people always got musicians who wanted to do film music yeah and i guess slowly games are becoming more capable of holding sort of more sophisticated so emotions and ideas and worlds and things. So that probably will draw in more kind of serious minded kind of people, I guess, as it develops. Um, instead of being a sort of in-house production rolling off, you know, bits of music, after, you know, people on a salary sort of just churning out bits of music for games and it might get a bit more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So, Turning our attention to the 15th anniversary of Do You Like Rock Music, I, I couldn't believe it when I sort of discovered this year that it had been 15 years since uh, since that album Creeps came up out. Creeps doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, 
before we kind of go sort of into like the, the music and the songs and, and, and that album in detail, what, what are the first memories and recollections that come to mind when you kind of think back to that era, you know, cause you were kind of coming out of, you know, you, you know, the previous album had been open season, you know, and, and it felt like there was quite a, the, the sound of the band felt like it became a little bit more kind of expansive and it changed. I, I thought, you know, quite significantly between the first two albums and, and that one, I just wonder what your, memories of kind of making and you know working on that record were like at the time well yeah uh it was difficult really it was long (laughs) (laughs) um i mean we start oh god how did we start it off um we thought we had it kind of in the bag and we went to uh, montreal um (laughs) <laughs> to work with Howard Billerman and um, Ephraim from sort of uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor and um, Arcade Fire, original drummer, stroke producer, where they'd recorded. And we thought, you know, it's winter, it was freezing, and we thought we'd have it and it'd be quite good fun. But somewhere during that whole thing... Um, we just realised we were getting towards the end of the time and we weren't really happy. <laughs> um, like some of the song, like the song ideas all seemed like they were kind of right, but it just didn't, it just, it just didn't feel right really. So uh, that was the beginning of it. Mm. And I, I might get some of this in the wrong order because I've not got, mm. I've not got the best recollection <laughs> at times. That's okay. It doesn't have to be a chronological uh, you know, yeah. account of, of, you know, what I mean, I'm sure there was a sort of demoing process before that, um, but I'm not sure in what order that was. So I might get yeah. yeah. So then I think we sort of came home to re- sort of rethink it all, um, and we went to a water tower in sort of towards Norfolk. In it, it was it was literally it wasn't like you know someone had done it up and turned it into a studio or flats or something. It was an old water tower full of pigeons. Um, and we had a camper van, <laughs> which Martin slept in, and we all slept in the water tower. Um, but it was so reverby. It had like a 15-second reverb because oh. it was so high and it had this metal tank in the roof. And there was pigeons <laughs> recordings. So we had to play so quietly and in such a little circle in the middle that it was incredibly difficult again. And a couple of tracks came out of that, like the one called The Water Tower. <laughs> um, it was an impossible. It was quite good fun. In strike. You'd go to sleep in your sleeping bag and you'd have to pull it over because droppings were coming down. And then we started reading about pigeon canker and how we find dangerous disease. <laughs> Um, so roughing it a bit there, um, <laughs> but it had this great sort of hexagonal concrete tower, sort of like strange <laughs> brute architect <laughs> look. And we thought it looked really cool. We went there, and it was again slightly disastrous. Yeah. Um. So we then went to like an army base on the Welsh coast, which was more or less deserted and I don't know if they only let us in or no one had asked before and they were just open to these things or if they thought we were related to the Navy or something <laughs> weird 
Um, and that was like, you know, there was like, like 50 bedrooms and like canteens and it was all empty. There was like one guy who popped around occasionally who just looked after the whole place and there was tunnels and bunkers and oh. it, that was sort of quite good. But we still didn't get that much done, but we made a little bit of progress and we were there for a few weeks. It was really cheap. Um, and I had the strange thing where like about halfway through after this really <laughs> quiet, never really seeing anyone there, I woke up in the night and I was like, what's that noise? I looked out the window and I was like, I'm sure something just went past the window. So I started looking out the window and they, they were doing like exercises and there was literally like lines of like full camouflage soldiers going along and then like a like Chinook helicopter landed and like dropped off a cannon and they were just like practicing for some kind of fucking war or something. Yeah, that was, you know, so slightly surreal sort of. Yeah. Like, um, probably what some people think the band should be about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so we got a little bit further with that, and then we ended up going to um, uh, just near Prague, um, outside. I've forgotten the name of the forest now, a big forest where there was a studio, and we um, got back in touch with Graham Sutton, who worked on the second album with us. Um, and we spent quite a long time there, sort of fresh start. And we'd also been home for a while and reworked. We tried to mix it ourselves on like eight track machines for a bit, like in our, you know, houses and bedrooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. We had all these different files and songs and we just started afresh then, kept a few elements and got on with it at last. And he brought a bit of clarity to it in the end because um, he's a pretty. He's a pretty cool guy, really. He's um, uh, he's not. He's quite alternative, but he's very sort of scientific, almost. And like, he knows what he's doing, but he's very open-minded. Mm. But he lets you do anything, you know. He he's he never he never stops you trying things, really. Um, it's probably yeah. I think he's the person who's got the most out of us in the long run. Like when we've worked with him, we've done a few albums now. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and that was sort of you know that was probably the nicest bit of the whole thing because it was summer. It was like beautiful um, in the Czech Republic, which seemed quite romantic and lovely. Yeah. Um, and we sort of finally felt like we were getting somewhere and came together and that that was kind of the final stage other than a few tweaks and things afterwards was um yeah was that where the majority of it came together were there things that had been lingering from you know when you'd been in canada and then you know the water tower and the army base were were there ideas and remnants from those times that kind of filtered their way onto the album or did it feel like once you got to um to prague uh or to, to you know to the czech republic that you kind of almost started fresh from that point. I just wonder how much of those other, um, you know, those moments that preceded going to the Czech Republic kind of made their way into the the final record. I think for quite a few songs, we started off by keeping the recordings that we'd done um, in Montreal 
and then <laughs> adding some more bits in that we'd done at home and in the various different locations that we've been to, sort of pretty rough lo-fi stuff. And um, but I think a lot of that slowly got jettisoned out. And then some songs we started afresh. Um, and then things like like waving flags, which was going to be ended up wanting that was going to be the first single. We didn't put like the choir. Bulgarian choir on there until we got back to um, um, home really so there was still a few things to do but most of it was there yeah yeah more than that uh, yeah I'd say 90% of it was all there just needed a few te- tweaks and a few little additions here and there yeah how did you feel when it was finished because it sounds like it was quite a protracted quite a, you know at times challenging process putting that album together how did you feel when it was finished? Did you feel like it had been at that time, you know, that it had been worth kind of the effort? Were you happy with it at the time? Did, you know, did the fact that it was a bit more of a difficult and protracted process make you feel a little bit kind of like, you know, almost fed up with it by the time it was finished? What what was going through your mind when you kind of, you know, said, right, that's it. It's now ready to, to be sent off to be mastered and, and released into the world. Um, well, an element of relief, but, um, I've no, yeah, I don't know if everyone would feel the same, probably to some degree. I think Neil would, like, I'm never completely happy with that one. I mean, I'm never, that. I'm not, I'm not generally ever completely happy with an album, but uh, I always felt we'd done our best and it, it had the potential to be amazingly, like, super satisfying and perfect and <laughs> you know it's a great thing and it got a long way towards it and it was quite a complex sort of equation of ideas and lyrics and music to try and put into an album uh, for us at least and uh it got a long way down that road and i think it was it had its own it had a sort of su- successful feeling th- flowing through it but yeah, I mean, listening to it again, I still think like it could be better. It could be a lot better, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, like some uh, things like Atom, we played it recently, getting ready for the festival to play the album, and uh, it, it sounded amazing playing it in the studios, like getting rehearsing and stuff. And it was a lot simplified because there's so many <laughs> sounds in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's bits, it just sounds like there's a mob in the background howling and <laughs> weird, like, distorted ping-pong games <laughs> going on or something. And they're all fun, and they were really, like, a big focus at the time. And then you think, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the minor mob is the best. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, that's the way with records. I don't know many people are really happy with them yeah. in the long run. Um, the longer you spend not listening to them, then you hear them by accident. It tends to be the nicest experience of, of hearing them. Yeah. I mean, you you know, you said that there were a few things that you're still kind of not not as happy with, you know, to, today as you might have been. Are there any Are there any kind of tracks that maybe didn't make it onto the track listing that you would have today might have included instead or like anything that you would have done differently with regards to, you know, yeah, songs that may or may not have been included or 
track listing uh, aspects? Are there any things that you can point to in, in particular that you would do differently if you had the chance now? Um, I wouldn't want to <laughs> open that. Not by that. I don't think there was like a magical lost track or anything. Yeah. There were so many songs which potentially could have got on there and so many variations of... Uh, what the album could have sounded like, particularly before we went back to Prague. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a load of, like, I've, I've sort of avoided, I've listened to some of them, but Martin and Neil have been putting together quite a lot of tracks for the sort of, um, you know, re, re, re-release bonus tracks and interesting lost tracks and things like that. And there's some pretty weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any sort of lost uh world changing hit singles or um yeah. yeah, beautiful artifacts that why didn't that go on there? Mm. Uh quite I mean I think that what it did it, what what was on there I think is there's some really interesting stuff, like and strange subjects for songs which probably <laughs> it's kind of shot ourselves in the foot sometimes made it a bit complex and a bit too difficult um but that's what we were like so yeah. are there any examples of that that you could point to um well it's just like it's the things that also make us and some other people sometimes really love a song like we've got no lucifer and there's like a, a wrestling big daddy chant on there yeah. which is a lot of fun and but then you you hear it without that sometimes, like, I don't know, rehearsing or demos and things like that. And you think there's an element of subtlety and beauty possibly lost as well. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, that's kind of what made it special and individual. Um, And then you get, I don't know, like Waving Flags is an amazing song, but then you bring in a fairly sometimes lost political sort of subject of welcoming in, (laughs) <laughs> economic immigrants and you think that's, that's that's a complex recipe all of a sudden whereas most yeah. music is a fairly simple straightforward approach yeah um so yeah it's, it's what we wanted to do so we can't you know i'm not complaining it is what it is and yeah. we didn't we thought we could maybe just bring a bit more variety of subject matter to music really yeah i mean were you surprised given how you felt about that album, you know, you know, degrees of, as you said, not that it's necessarily unique to that album. And I think as you rightly say, a lot of artists never feel hundred percent satisfied with a record when it's finished, you know, otherwise, you know, why would you make another one? Um, but were you at all surprised by the impact it had when it was released? Cause it picked up the Mercury, uh, prize nomination. And I think, uh, you know, it seemed to, I know for me personally, you know, as a, as a, as a fan of the band and for other people and, you know, friends I know who, who got into the band, it was through that album. It served as a bit of a breakthrough or a gateway into the band at that point. And from that point I went, you know, I remember going back and then getting the, the previous albums and then I was kind of in for life then, you know, <laughs> um, uh, did you anticipate it would have that kind of impact on people or perhaps that was just, you know, me and my circle of mates at the time. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I wonder if, if you were kind of conscious of the impact that it had when it came out, um, you know, 15 years ago. Um, 
Not, probably not really. I mean, I don't. I don't think of it now as having having had a big impact, particularly. Mm. I know it had a big impact on like a niche of people, mm. um, many of whom we still see regularly, <laughs> <laughs> gigs and the like. Um, so I don't know. So in a way, I mean, but then I don't know. Uh, it didn't seem like it, like. On the first album, we went on TV with it, and we played probably bigger shows in places like America. Okay. Um, so it didn't have like a weird, like sudden growth of success, you know, commercial success or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, like from our point of view. Um. So no, probably not really. It's, okay, yeah. interesting. I mean, I I wanted to. Uh, well, actually, but one one of the things I wanted to ask if you can remember the first, the first song that you wrote for the for the album, the first song that kind of came out of the sessions post open season. What it, if there was a particular song that kind of set you on the path for this for this album? I appreciate that was a long time ago, so no no worries at all if not. But yeah, I just wondered if you had a memory of kind of completing a first song for the album going oh, okay that's you know this is where we're going um no i'm afraid I, I don't know if there was one um i mean as we we often sort of work like the main song sort of songwriters are me martin and neil and um, particularly like as the albums progress and uh we sort of write on our own and then get together at some point when we have a little um, group of what we think might be interesting things to work on. Mm. And I can't, I don't know what theirs would have been because they would have probably arrived as like five or six songs. And I can't remember what mine would have been either. So no. (laughs) (laughs) Is, Is there a song or, you know, perhaps group of songs that you feel particularly kind of proud of, today you know listening back to the album are there any moments whether they ones that you specifically did the lead writing on or whether it was you know other members of the band but are there any that really kind of stand out to you now is like okay yeah that that one has held up especially well or ones that your perception has maybe changed about changed with over times one that may, over time sorry that you perhaps you know weren't initially as enamored with but today it's kind of really grown on you i just wondered if there were any standout moments for for either of those reasons that know if they exist today um probably like uh one of my favorite ones that i like i like lights out for darker skies is one of my ones um it because i don't know it i think it just combines a lot of things which we were which i was trying to achieve at the time um it's a fairly compact song. I mean, it's six and a bit minutes, but it has quite a lot in it, and it's not totally overblown. Um, it's, it, it was, I used to, I mean, it seems a bit sort of naive now, but I used to have this thing about trying to write, have an element of natural world and history in, in a song without it being um, like the theme from 
Big Bang or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it being meaningful and poetic without it yeah. being um, sort of cliche or um, a mixture of like personal emotions mixed in with something that's interesting. Uh, and that was, <laughs> that was, I mean, I don't, I, there was always two sides to it, like an emotional one, but then the other side was a history of, uh, it kind of goes through the history of light until from <laughs> prehistoric to light pollution. <laughs> uh, and I think I managed to do that without it being too stupid. So that's oh, quite good. <laughs> um, I think Waving Flags is really good because it was quite a collaborative song. Mm. And I think so that's why it's got, why it's so good. Like Martin wrote a lot of the original music. Neil was quite involved at one point with that. And then even Roy, my brother, who managed us up till that album, um, who um, was also sort of artistically involved at times, um, particularly about, he would try to be involved a lot with lyrics and some of them would work, you know, because he is, he's a very talented man. Mm. Um, and then I helped bring the, that into a song as well. So it's quite, yeah, a group effort, and I think it's quite a successful one. Uh, that for that reason. And I think Neil's No Lucifer was a particularly good piece of his work. It's just a quite an amazing song. Yeah. Yeah, no, hard, hard to argue with any of those. Um, I also wanted to, to ask you just purely from a you know, from a selfish fan perspective, just a couple of, a couple of my other kind of favorite songs on the album. Just if you can tell me a little bit about your memories of how these ones came together. One of them is Canvey Island. Um, Can you just kind of talk us a little bit through how that, that one came together? Kind of, you know, the story behind that song. I feel like that's kind of a, yeah, one of, always been one of my standout tracks on that album. Um, I think that's sort of, I mean, there was a little riff, but the I, like the mood of that song, I think, came from a similar place to uh, "Lights Out for Darker Skies." In terms of, I was mildly obsessed with like the weather and um, like the end of the world <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where we were going at that point. And it seemed like I, I, it was like a time where it seemed like we probably could sort this all out in the next few years (laughs) if things went well um which yeah was optimistic (laughs) but um so yeah i was thinking about that sort of thing and then i think i just read uh i was when i still read newspapers uh, in on paper Mm. and uh there was just a story about the floods in 1953 and uh, particularly focused on Canvey Island, which I didn't know anything about at the time. Yeah. Um, and it, it, that, and it talked about the football, so I still doing football team that was there. And um, I'd been listening to, I'd been, I think I'd been noticing like Dr. Fieldgood and Wilco Johnson, which were, you know, located on Canvey Island, so that sort of drew me in a bit musically. Mm. And then these sort of weird flooding sports music 
confluence of things sort of just seemed like it would fit well into what we were trying to do. Mm. And then bird flu flipped in there as well somehow. <laughs> 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 uh, well, yeah, so that would have been, yeah. Uh, which just seemed like another beginnings of a sort of <laughs> the signs of an apocalypse of some sort. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was just, yeah, all those things put together, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, no interest. I mean, oddly, it's like that, and well, not oddly, but uh, we ended up going to Canvey Island to play a gig mm. um, and feature on Country File. <laughs> 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 how did that come about television if anyone sees it it's sort of embarrassing <laughs> but the best bit was Wilco Johnson joined us at the end when we do do this kind of we used to do it regularly sort of a free free form rock ending which was in the key of A called A Rock mm. and it could be shambolic and terrible and it could be amazing and it could be a couple of minutes or it could go on a long too long <laughs> yeah. um and he was doing his magnificent uh, like moves, you know, his fast yeah. walking up and down. And his, he'd do that thing where he swings around with the guitar. And I remember ducking that once <laughs> and thinking, wow, that was quite close. Yeah. Uh, and he was a lovely man, and that was great. So that was sort of, you know, one of those strange things where you put something in a song and it turns into a sort of physical reality at some point in the future. And um, was that at the end of Country File? Or uh, yeah. <laughs> that exists on the episode. Was that the, was that the end of Country yeah. Fire? <laughs> was that going? <laughs> that was that, was that at the end of the episode? Did that kind of uh, like feature, <laughs> feature within the uh, footage? Or? I, don't I don't know. I think we probably just slotted it in between like well. uh, harvest time <laughs> <laughs> watching some birds or something. Yeah. Gun making. <laughs> um yeah, I I wanted to also just briefly um, touch upon kind of how making that album kind of dictated what happened next with the band. You know, was there, after finishing that album and touring it, did you feel any sense of wanting to not react against with any kind of negative connotations, but kind of like pursue a, a, a different sound or, or a different working method with the album that followed? Um, you know, did... Did it in any way influence where you went afterwards, whether it was by kind of making a clean break from what you'd done with the like rock music or yeah, just wanted to know how it kind of shaped what followed. Um, I don't, I don't think it really did particularly in a lot. Like it didn't really artistically. I don't think not for me at least. Um, I mean, if you, I think it affected us personally, partly because we sort of worked so hard for a while and it was enjoyable. Um, but <laughs> somewhat hedonistic days at times and uh, it went on for quite a while and we were busy playing gigs and I think it, it knackered us out quite a lot. Mm. Um, I mean, Neil went to live on the Isle of Sky a bit after that album, yeah. and he's been there ever since. <laughs> um, that was his reaction. <laughs> um, I think I was probably still hung up on trying to do that same thing again better for a while. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, the next album was another difficult one that took a long time, which, yeah, wasn't as strange a, a journey as, do you like rock music, but it was, I don't know, probably a weaker album. I don't think, it was another one where we just, we didn't really, we failed to pull it together as well. But, um, Yeah, I don't know. I think it just affected us personally at some point. We were getting older, probably, and it was quite a feat of endurance from there. I think we finished that album, like, recording it, and then we, like, went on a European tour for about, I don't know, three or four weeks. Um, with, like, no days off and <laughs> driving in this van that was called Blue Slug, which was limited to uh, something like 50 miles an hour. Right. <laughs> right, when you're driving from, like, Paris to Poland. Uh, <laughs> and from there, we went straight to America for something like a three-month tour. Yeah. With a week off in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it took it. Yeah, so it took a while to recover from that. <laughs> For about eight years. <laughs> um, time. I think we recovered <laughs> for the last album <laughs> two years ago, <laughs> which was with Graham Sutton, weirdly. So that rounds things off. <laughs> Fantastic, brilliant. Oh well, I, I can see we're almost out of time. Uh, Anyway, but okay. thank you so much, uh, Scott, for, for joining us and having a chat. You know, it's been really interesting talking about the album. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's still one of my favourite Sea Power albums. And, uh, yeah, hopefully um, yeah, hopefully, won't be waiting too long until the next one. But, um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. And uh, wish you yeah, all the cheers, best. Cheers, thank you. Hope it made some sense. No, it, it definitely did. It was, it was fascinating. Thank you. All right, well, take care, and I'll see you next time. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.